0: Good evening. Welcome to Bible study. Glad you're here. It's good to see everybody tonight. We're gonna get started in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thanks for just uh, your presence here. We thank you that you send your Holy Spirit, and He is right here, ready to teach us. I pray that we are open to Him, open to what He has to say, open to receive, and we pray, God, that uh, you'd bring revelation tonight. And I pray that you would change some perspectives. And I ask you, God, this would be a time where we grow a little bit. And we make a different decision and we see something differently. So tonight we just ask that you would have your way. We pray for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, in our minds, in our hearts. And we just ask you to be glorified. Uh, Speak. We pray for a good, solid, prophetic word straight to us. We ask it in Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you're going to look at the Book of Hebrews. If you need a Bible? I think we have some down here. Let so let Don know he's got one in his hand, ready to hand out. All Hebrews chapter eleven. Hebrews chapter eleven. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. Hebrews 11, 13 through 16. Someone like to read that?
1: All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a the distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a signature. All
0: right, thanks for reading that. I want to talk to you about living by faith and the idea of, of really what that is. How is that actually accomplished in our life? I think that we may have an idea about that. And I think even the concept of faith is a little bit ambiguous for people. Because what faith looks like might be different for me than it is for you. Or I might have a different understanding of faith than you do. Uh, the way that I live out faith or the way that I realize faith in my life may be a little bit different than the way you do. And I, I think that in in some ways, everything I just said is true. That the way we live out our faith may be a little bit different for each one of us. And uh, I think about sometimes people who are healers or miracle workers. And I don't know if you've ever read any books by people that are, are like that, or that have that kind of an anointing on their life, and the way that they approach faith, the way that they see faith. I think it's kind of interesting. And I, I've, over the years, as I've read things like that, even going back to guys that are dead now, or, or going back to guys that maybe were miracle workers in the early 1900s, or miracle workers in the 1920s, 1930s, miracle workers, prophets in the 1950s, uh, these are a long time ago. And yet they, they had, they all shared a similar idea about faith. And then you get to guys that, uh, were more when I was a kid, and and I, I would see them. They were healers, and and they were miracle workers. And reading some of their stuff, seeing how they approach this this idea of faith, or even more, you know, later on in say the '80s or the '90s, and and looking at, at guys like Reinhard Bonnke that were great evangelists in Africa and different places around the world, miracle workers, and his approach to faith. His approach to evangelism or whatever it is. But reading about these guys or reading some of their own writings and understanding it. I remember uh, just, it wasn't too long ago, I read a book about John G. Lake. He was a healer that started the healing rooms. Uh, We have a healing room here in Syracuse. And he just had a certain idea. He had a certain way that he saw faith. And so over the years I've read these kind of things. What I'm getting at is is that I would think about it, and I would try to somehow cultivate that in my own life. Right? That's how I want to live. That's who I want to be. Because as we're called, and as God uh, anoints us, I think that what separates us from who in the Bible? Uh, miracle workers? Prophets? Elijah? Elisha? What separates us from the Apostles? What separates us from uh, the, the works that Jesus did? We should do even greater. The words that he gave to the church, what separates us from that? And, and it to me, it occurs to me that it comes down to a matter of faith is what separates us. Uh, in the Bible, I mean, you think about the days of Elijah and the days of Elisha. There were lots of people. There were lots of people that had the same opportunity to know God the same way that they did. There were people that witnessed, say, Elijah on Mount Carmel, and they, they saw the prophets of Baal face off against the, the one prophet of God on Mount Carmel. And, and they saw fire come down from heaven and devour a water-soaked sacrifice. I mean, they witnessed it. They saw it. And so they had an opportunity in that moment to believe. They had an opportunity in that moment to really latch on to that kind of faith, that kind of miracle-working power that they saw right in front of them. And yet we don't have really any indication that they really and truly latched on to that. Ahab was king at that time. He could have latched on to that, but he didn't. And and in the days of, of, say, go to the New Testament and think about the apostles and the days of the apostles and you see the miracle-working power that was being done through them. I mean, there were other people that were believers. There were other Christians that were believers, but that we weren't seeing the same things. At least it wasn't being recorded that we were seeing the same things. What separated them? And, and even now, I mean, what separates us from those that God is using in miracles, and even some of us that has been, we've been used in healing. We've been used in miracles before. What is separating us from that now? And so I really I consider that a matter of faith. Now some of these people that I was just describing to you that God used in, in miracle signs, wonders, and they wrote books about it and all I mean their their ideas about faith have been really really put down by the church in some cases. That the mainstream church looked at these guys, they said, "Well, that's a hyper faith." What does that mean? It's it's too too much. It's too much. Yeah, I, I think that
1: could be possible. well we have too much faith.
0: Well, yeah, I I don't know. You know, it doesn't
1: make, I it doesn't make any sense,
0: does it? It only makes sense in that. How do you take something that's positive and make it bad because you can't you haven't experienced it? I don't even want to say you can't. You haven't experienced it. So so you're going to demonize something that you haven't experienced. That's kind of human nature, I guess, in a way. And you would think we'd be better than that, but we're not, because we're humans. (laughs) We're not better than humans because we're humans. And so if that's human nature, then that's why, I guess, it happens. But we need to be careful not to dismiss things because we haven't experienced it yet. And we're not experiencing in the way that we really should be experiencing it. And so I want to talk to you about the, the, this idea of living by faith. I'm going to keep it sort of in a, in a philosophical thing. I mean, we're going to talk about some practice of it, but in, 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 a, in a philosophical way, we need to, in some ways, change our minds and see things differently. And begin to understand things differently. Because at the rate that we're going, as far as faith is concerned, we put our faith in things that already are. And that's kind of a waste of time. I don't need to put my faith in the fact that, that chair is right in front of me. Because you know why? Because that chair is right in front of me. It's a fact. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a matter of faith for me to believe that. I can see it. If I get up and move forward, I'm going to trip over it. Why? Because it's there. I don't need to believe that's there. It is there. And I think somehow we've taken the concept of faith and we'll believe what we see. Well, you don't need to believe what you see. It's there and it's real. It's tangible. It doesn't require your faith. That's not what faith is. But we've made that faith. Why? Well, that's easy. It's easy to believe those kind of things. It's easy to believe that there are there wall hangings right there. It's easy to believe that we're sitting here in this room right now in this small chapel. It's easy to believe that there's carpeting on the floor. It's easy to believe whatever you you want to believe like that. But they already exist. They're real. Faith is something else. Faith is something more than that. Those are observations. Those are not statements of faith. And so, we need to begin to apply that to some other things. So, in in its very nature, faith is obedience. And obedience is faith. Those of you that have gone through the cost of discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer... There's a whole section of that book, a chapter in that book, that, this, that talks about that. And it asks the question, it's like, which came first, faith or obedience? Which comes first in the Christian life? Which do we experience first? When we come into saving knowledge or saving faith in Jesus Christ, which is going to come first, obedience or faith? And so as part of what I do every year... When I have an intern, is that's one of the questions I ask them when we get to that chapter. It's like, what do you believe comes first? And I ask the question like there's a real answer to it. Uh (laughs) You know, what I really want to know is what do they believe? What do they think comes first? Because it tells me something about them. So I ask the question, and then we discuss the, the, the issue of Faith and obedience. And the real issue of faith and obedience is that they are two sides of the same coin. Because there's really not one without the other. You you get the coin, you got both. And so in our lives, in the Christian life, you have faith, there's obedience. You have obedience, there is faith. Alright, that's the way God intends it. That's the way God has set it up. And so faith and obedience go together. So hear and do is the basic concept of how we obey. We hear what God says, and then we do what He says. We keep it simple. you got to keep it simple. All right? And the whole idea behind the life that God's called us to, the idea behind the life that God wants for us, is that we need to keep it simple. It is a simplicity. And the only reason people complicate it, the only pe- reason people want to complicate our, the Christian life, is so they don't have to do something. So they don't have to respond to something. They don't have to live a certain way. Because if you create enough woods around you, you create a big enough forest, you got some room to hide, don't you? You clear that land and you leave it simple and there isn't any forest in front of you or behind you or wherever, and you're out in the open. there ain't anywhere to hide. And for a lot of people, that's a problem. Because they want to hide, they don't want to do what they need to do, and so they create a forest of confusion around them so that they have a spot to hide in, and they're not so exposed. It's like, well, why didn't you do that? Well, you know, I don't really know what God is saying now. He said, uh, well, he already said it. Well, I don't know what he's saying now. Why do you need to know what he's saying now? What did he say? All right, that's me responding. All right, I'm playing two roles there. All right, so i got the one person who's creating the forest of confusion, and then I'm the person standing there saying, yeah, but you already got the word. I don't know what you're looking for now. You, know, you understood what I was doing there. All right, I didn't use two different voices, so I might have been confusing. What I'm trying to get at, though, is that the simplicity that God calls us to reveals that. And so if you don't want to do something that God calls you to, just say you just don't want to do it. Don't create a forest of confusion. It's the same thing, except for it's just a lot easier to say you don't want to do it. It takes a lot less effort than to create some scenario where you got all this confusion all around you. I mean, it's creative, and it's, it's you know, whatever. And some people will be fooled by that. But people who know better won't. Because what we're called to is really a simplicity. So hear and do. See, living by faith isn't just a matter of receiving. See, that's part of it. It's part of uh, living by faith is receiving. That, That God pours out into our life. He gives us grace. He, he does. He pours out grace. He pours out mercy. He pours out forgiveness. He pours out all those things, and we need to receive those things. He pours out His power, His anointing. We receive those things. That's awesome. I mean, all of those things that we receive, but we've made it about that, and it is, that's part of it, and, but that's not the end result. In other words, why does God give us grace? Why does God... Pour out his mercy, his forgiveness, his cleansing. Why is he pouring out his anointing into our life? Why does he pour out revelation? Why does he give us vision? I mean, yeah, receive all that. That's good. That's good. But why did he just give you all that stuff? Why has he poured that out into your life? Well, there's probably, and I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious here, there's something to do. And so living by faith isn't a matter of just receiving That may be the part of it, but living by faith is a matter of living by vision. In other words, you've received a vision so that you can go out and you can live it. You've received the anointing so you can go out and you can use the anointing in people's lives. You've received revelation so you can go out and share it. You've received whatever you've received, grace, mercy, forgiveness, cleansing, all those things that we all receive freely of. Why? So we can go out and share it. There is a reason for it. We were never meant to be people that were stuck in the upper room. Think about Acts chapter 2. You got the 120 in the upper room. God poured out his spirit on them, and they began to speak in tongues, and fire appeared above their heads. And all that was going on there. All right? What'd they do? Just stay in the room and keep it to themselves? There was a natural motion outward from there. It was natural. We have to be conditioned to stay in the upper room. And most of us, those of us that have received that conditioning, sometimes struggle with the leaving of the upper room. And yet that's exactly what the inclination of every one of those people, all 120 of them, on the day of Pentecost, their inclination was to get out of that upper room and was to go out into the streets and begin to share. And that's exactly what they did. No one told them not to do it. No one told them it was dangerous. No one told them that maybe it would be a better idea to stay in the upper room for a little while and pray about it. No one said anything like that. They hadn't thought of those things yet. They hadn't come up with excuses not to be active. They hadn't come up with reasons not to go out and do the stuff they were supposed to be doing. They hadn't figured that out yet. And so they just went. They responded to what God was pouring out, and they began to live by the vision that was being poured into their lives. Somebody look at Second Corinthians four eighteen. Second Corinthians four eighteen and read that for us.
1: So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen
0: is temporary, what is unseen is <laughs> seen. Alright. So, we fix our eyes <clears throat> on what is unseen. So, in other words, what I was talking about earlier, if your eyes are fixed, and, and you can talk about whatever you want to talk about your eyes, but if you're fixed on what is seen, where are you going to go from there? Nowhere. Because it's already there. In other words, I don't have to apply anything to that. I don't have to apply any vision or faith or anything to that chair. Or apply any faith or any vision or anything to to anything in this room. You all see it. You all see this cart sitting here. You all see that projector right there. We don't need to apply our faith to that. We don't need to apply our vision to that. It's already seen. But God's called us to live with our eyes fixed on what other people can't see. Something that is something that that most of the people that we're going to run into, most of the people that we're going to meet, most of the people that we know, the people that we work with, the people that we go to school with, the people that are around us all the time, for most of us, they can't see it. And yet, we're fixated on it. Or we should be. That we are the ones that, that, that have that vision. We're the ones that can see beyond what people can't see. In other words, they can see all of this stuff. We don't need to fixate on that. We're fixated on something beyond that. And we can't expect people to understand it. How can somebody understand something they can't even perceive? And yet we're surprised, like, well, people think I'm weird. Well, yeah, they do. Of course they do. Of course they do. I don't know how they wouldn't. That there comes that moment where those two worlds collide. Who's going to come out the weirdo? You, me, we're going to come out the weirdo on that one. Because when those two worlds collide, when they, or when they cross paths, however you want to describe that situation, when it happens, you're the one looking at something that nobody else can see. I'm the one looking at something that nobody else can see. And so people that we're talking to, or the people that see that, or the people that perceive that in our life, they are not going to understand it. It's not. That revelation hasn't been given to them yet. That understanding hasn't been given to them yet. and may never be given to them. We don't know. But it's been given to me. It's been given to you. And so it's requiring our action. That's how we're to live. We're to live beyond the stuff that everybody else sees. And when we find ourselves just fitting in, when we find ourselves just just kind of going along to get along, that's when we find ourselves looking at the same stuff everybody else is looking at. When I find ourselves in the same situation everybody else is in. Yeah, I see that chair. You see that chair? Good. Good. All right. We're all cool then. All right. Same page. Same page. All right. Good. Good job. Good job. We got agreement on that. We got agreement on this chair over here. There it is. I'm not going to ask you what color it is, because there would be disagreement about that. But it is a chair. All right. Good. Good. It's right there. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, the goal of our lives, of who we are and who God's called us to be, isn't always agreement. It's not always agreement. And I know blessed are the peacemakers. They're going to be called the children of God. I understand that. All right. But we need to learn how to make peace with people while still seeing something that maybe they don't see. And that is possible. It's possible to make peace with someone without just having to be like them. People that are different, people that are unalike, can make peace one with another. It is possible. And so don't confuse those two things. Don't confuse the, that we have to be like somebody in order to be at peace with them, because we don't. There's people that I don't agree with, that I don't see things the same as they do, but I can live at peace with them. And maybe we've lost that art. I don't know. But we need to relearn it if we've lost it. Because the fact of the matter is, is that we're going to live out our lives if we're going to do this. If we're going to live by faith, we're going to live out our lives seeing things, hearing things, knowing things, believing things, looking at things, being fixated on things that other people can't see. That's the fact of the matter. And so we will, by definition, be unlike the people that are around us. And so if we don't know how to make peace in those situations, we probably need to learn how. If it's possible to make peace in those situations, we need to learn how to do it. Some of us, we're good at it. all right. Some of us can do that. It comes naturally. Some of us need to learn how to do it. We can find peace and still be different.
1: Yeah. So our job as ambassadors, you know, we think people generally recognize that we reconcile people with God. Mm-hmm. But that's part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Making peace with the reality of the kingdom in our life and how people receive that or live around it. In here. Right.
0: Right. Because there's, there's a lot of times an attractiveness we... As we live our lives, not like people, fixated on something different than they are. But a lot of times there's something attractive about that. And people are drawn to it. And so we can offer them, uh, like, like Martha was saying, there's, there's an, an idea of being an ambassador. But what do ambassadors do? You know, Generally they live in a different culture. They live in a different country. They might live among a people that speak a different language. They have their own country that they come from, that has its own goals, that has its own ideals, it has its own values, that has its own way of seeing things, has its own way of going about things, and has its own vision for the future. And it doesn't need to be the country's vision that they're in. And still there needs to be a way that they can represent in a peaceful manner, the country that they come from. And and be not only a representative, but be an educator to those that they're in contact with and those that they need to negotiate with, those they need to speak to. What does an ambassador do? Well, that's what ambassadors do. And we've definitely lost that idea somewhere. Because I think somewhere along the line, the idea that we all need to be alike has overtaken the idea that we're not all alike. And we can find peace even while being different. Because I do believe that. And I think that the world has operated under that principle for a really long time. So, living by vision involves a couple things. One is, it's a call to leave. Call to leave what? Well, connections. You might have some connections to things around you. To fixations that are very solid and yet not productive for the kingdom. You might have certain interests that are... Important to you, but not so important to the kingdom. You might have certain comforts that are important to you, but aren't very important to the kingdom. And I'm not saying everything I just said, in every area of your life, but likely there are some things that the call to leave is going to come into our life. And that call will get louder in certain areas of our life over time. So, in other words, when I became a Christian, there were certain things God spoke to me right away that I needed to stop and leave behind. And it was just clear that I needed to do that, and I knew it right in that moment. I was a young Christian, so I made certain decisions, and I left certain things behind. And then there were other things that would occur to me over the years That the Holy Spirit would highlight to me, that the Holy Spirit would reveal to me, that He would speak to me. It might be through the scriptures. It might have been through prayer time. It might have been a dream that I had. It might have been somebody that came into my life that spoke it to me. It could have been a lot of different ways that God did it, but there were certain things that God brought into my life and said, you need to break your connection with this. You need to break your, uh, you need to leave it. And so I needed to leave it. And, and so it's not just a once-and-for-all kind of thing when we become a Christian. It's, it's, yeah, there are those things that I think God does in our life a lot of times where we do make that kind of a decision and we just leave it behind. But then there are other things that come up, and there are other connections, and there are other interests, and there are other comforts that come up over time that God says, it's time to leave those behind. You just think about a kid as a kid grows up. You know, there are certain things that you do for a child. As a child is growing up, and, and then as they grow up, they begin to take over more of those activities. Like picking out clothing, putting on clothing, uh, fixing their food, doing their laundry. And over time, they begin to take over those things so that they, when they are adults, are then able to do that. And and those of you that that didn't happen for, I'm sure your parents were doing you a favor by continuing to do certain things for you. But then when you ended up going off to college or going out and getting an apartment or getting your job and moving out or whatever it was and you don't know how to do anything, they weren't really doing you a big favor. So part of the maturing process, part of the growing up process, part of how we as human beings... You know, we're little, we can't do anything, so things are done for us, but that should change over time. And so in a spiritual sense, I think that happens too, where there's certain things that happen and we're, we're, we have certain comforts or we have certain things that we're holding on to, but over time, those things get challenged and it's time to leave them behind. It's time to go. So what could some of those things be? could be relationships, could be even relationships with family members, it could be friendships, old friendships that we had, could be, it could be certain interests, what well, could be interests that we had, I couldn't even tell you, all right, it might be certain things that maybe you just can't do anymore, all Right? I don't know. I used to watch horror movies when I was younger. I can't watch horror movies. now. It's just bad for me. It stimulates certain things, certain fears in me that don't need to be stimulated anymore. And so I don't watch horror movies anymore. Maybe you do and you love horror movies. I can't tell you that. I don't even care. Seriously, I just don't care. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't affect me. Don't care. I just can't. And so if we're going to go plan something together, we're going to do it, it's not going to be a horror movie because I don't want to see it. I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear that music. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the screaming. I don't want to hear the music. I don't want to hear the gross noises when they happen because you know they're going to happen. I don't want to hear those. I don't want to see it. I don't want to experience it. Now, a long time ago, and then fine. And so that's the only effect that has on me. Whatever you're doing. Alright? And it's what we do together, then it affects me. But other than that, don't care. Don't care. Then you think about certain comforts. Certain things that we hold on to. That maybe the day comes, time to let go of it. It's time to do something else. Every one of our missionaries have to let go of comforts in order to go do what God's calling them to do. What I mean by comforts, I mean friendships, I mean getting together, I mean hanging out, I mean uh, whatever, even comforts of just living in the United States, the reality of what that is, certain kind of foods, certain kind of drinks, reliable internet, people not censoring your internet, people not watching you, right, those kind of things, people not threatening your life, people not blowing up your Easter service. Things like that. Alright? Comforts. And we have to give those up. If that's, that's what God's saying. So that's what it is. And, and those things happen and, and that's, that's what it is. So number one is a call to leave. That's part of living by, the, the, really living by faith. Living by vision is a call to leave. And there are those things that come up. The second part of that is not knowing what may happen. And that is a fear control issue. Not being able to sit there and plan out the next five or ten years. That is a fear control issue for us. Because we're not only told that's a good idea, we're actually expected to do it. And I mean, that's expected of us that we're going to do it. If you're going to be a responsible person, you need to do that. And yet, that's not necessarily possible in what God's called us to do. And how God calls us and what He has for us is not necessarily even possible to look at the next five years. We don't know. Don't have any idea. And being willing to accept that, to be willing to, to take that, that's part of living by faith. I mean, if you want to do a five-year plan, go ahead. But what happens? If it changes, you're going to freak out? You're gonna say no to God because you got your five-year plan in place, you got your ten-year plan in place? You got, no, no, no. I'm not gonna do that. It's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. God said it. God's leading, God's saying, you know, this is what I have for you. Then what are you gonna do? Stick to your plan? I mean, that's part of the issue. We take comfort in that, and there's there's a certain amount of control over our lives to know well i'll be here in three years i'll be there in two years i'll be doing this over here in five years how do you know and i mean god does give people sometimes we get a word we get a we we understand okay there's a prophetic word that comes forth and this is what we're doing but that's not a creation of us that's what the holy spirit has said and there's a big difference between what the holy spirit says and what our planner says those are two different things Two different things. When the alarm goes off on our phone, all right, that is not necessarily the Holy Spirit. May not be at all. Our long range calendar may have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, and we need to accept that. That's part of living by faith, being a people of vision. They say, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But finding a comfort level in that, that that's tough for people. And I understand that's tough for people. I'm not trying to say it's easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> I mean, it's that simple. Everybody would be living by faith and live by vision. Every Christian of the world, the billions of Christians of the world, would all be living by faith, all be living by vision, all be doing miracle signs and wonders, all be healing people, all be raising the dead, and the whole world would be a different place if it was that easy. It's not. It requires a different kind of decision. It requires a different way of seeing the world that not everyone shares. Like I said, we're not looking at what's in front of us. That's not faith. We're looking at what can't be seen by other people. And so moving on, it talks about a future not realized in this life. I mean, ultimately the future that we're looking at, ultimately the vision that God gives us, ultimately what we're seeing that other people aren't seeing, we don't even realize it fully in in this life. And so our vision and our faith become a bridge to a whole other life that goes beyond what we're doing here, that goes beyond even our physical bodies that we see. And so we're getting bridged to a to a future that is eternal and so by definition our vision by definition our faith needs to be a bridge it needs to be that conduit moving out of where we're at right now it needs to be something that goes beyond what we can see and touch and feel and we can plan for and all of that because ultimately that's what it is it's eternal and so it's a future that we need to understand is not going to be fully realized here. Now, what does that say about being impatient about with, with vision that God gives? What does that tell you? Well, God showed me this and it hasn't come to pass yet. Yeah, right. What does that tell you? Keep going. Because Keep going. Mm-hmm. ultimately, ultimately, I'm going to tell you this right now, if you've got any vision, most likely, not all of it is going to be realized while you're still alive. It's just not. And so, you got to come to that place in your life where you recognize that. And so, if it's not happening when you thought it was going to happen, don't get bitter. Don't get bitter. There's going to be a million more years somewhere that... It needs to be incorporated into this vision. It needs to be incorporated into the way you're seeing things. There's a million years or two million years. Or just make up a number. On the other side of this, that we, that, that all that vision and everything that we have, you know, part of it is going to be realized there. But we don't even know what part. We don't know what it is that's going to be realized there. We don't even know how that's going to happen. It just is, and we're connected to that. That's part of how living by faith connects us to the eternal. Because the vision goes beyond. You know, we don't don't throw down uh, a thing that says, all right, well, this has got to happen in the next two years. Well, what if it doesn't? What if it doesn't happen in the next 20 years? For some of us, what if it doesn't happen in the next 50 years? Well, We got a million more, so I mean you'll see whatever happens. I it's it's beyond our physical existence. Because right, we're not putting our stock in that anyway. That's not what faith is. Faith has to extend beyond. And here's the idea behind that. Faith can lay hold of blessings that really aren't going to come about until a great distance away, time wise. Think about Abraham. He saw way, way beyond his own lifetime, didn't he? He had vision beyond that and he lived in that. He lived in that during his life on the earth. He lived in a vision and in a faith that went way beyond when he was going to die. Way beyond. Because he grabbed hold of that and it went beyond him and it went beyond his physical life. But see, Abraham's still alive. And Abraham experienced Jesus. And Abraham did experience the resurrection. And Abraham is still experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he's still experiencing the church age. And he's still experiencing the blessings of his blessing coming and being poured out on all of us as Gentiles. He's still experiencing that now. Thousands of years after he physically died, he's experiencing it now because he's still alive. See, his faith, his vision reached beyond the hundred and something years that he actually lived. And he could experience the joy. He could experience all that that, that would come about thousands of years later. He could experience all of that stuff while he was still alive on the earth because to him it was. Whether he was going to see it or not, it was. Whether he was actually going to experience it in his lifetime, it didn't matter because he was going to experience it while he was still alive thousands of years later. So we can't get bitter trying to make something happen. When Abraham tried to make the promise of God happen in his life, what do we get from that?
1: Ishmael and war.
0: You get Ishmael. A donkey of a man. Alright? A jackass of a man. That's what you get from that. All right? Which was not what he was looking for. Because faith... Faith... Looks beyond. It's not what's right here. So... Faith can lay hold of blessings that are a great distance off. Somebody look at Matthew thirteen seventeen.
1: Well, truly are telling you, new prophets and righteous people.
0: Long to see what you did, but did not see, and to hear what you heard, what did not hear. Is Jesus
1: speaking? I think, right? Is it red? Yeah, oh, okay, all right. It's in the
0: red, and and what he's talking about is he's saying that all these people they saw what was coming, all right. But they, and he was saying to them, "It's like, wow, you know, you're physically here. You should recognize the moment." You should really recognize the moment. But then contrast that verse with John eight fifty six. John 8, 56. Contrast the verse he just read with this verse. Your
1: father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad.
0: Talking about, and who's that talking? Mm-hmm. Jesus. About who? Okay, so what was the difference between the group that was spoken of in Matthew chapter 13 and when Jesus speaks of Abraham here in John chapter 8? What's the contrast? Abraham
1: saw it. believed and he saw it. He saw it in his time. Right, right, and those that were living it were still not seen.
0: Right. Not only that, he said, many righteous people and many people that were godly, they wanted to see it and didn't, but Abraham did. Do you get that? that,
1: that that's a function of his faith.
0: Right. Absolutely. The function of his faith was the ability to see beyond his moment and not be caught staring at a chair. So he could not only see it, he could experience it, he could reap the blessings from it from a distance. From a thousand year distance, two thousand, three thousand year difference, he could reap the blessings from it and then experienced it in time thousands of years later. So he had been rejoicing for thousands of years over what he actually experienced later on. Not in a physical body, but in reality, nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah.
1: How does that play into like, that? Uh, I forget the priest's name that he was told that he would see Messiah in his lifetime. Mm-hmm. Does that play into that? Like, Did he have some special faith that was rewarded? He, was it his faith that allowed him to live till Jesus was born?
0: Well, he had a word.
1: Right? So he believed the word.
0: Right. 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 He had a specific word that he would see the Messiah. And he was really old. And he did.
1: But, but what you're saying is even if he had died, he'd still have seen him Right. Right.
0: It wouldn't have mattered. Right. He would have seen him either way. Right. But he physically saw him. He was alive and he physically saw him. But even if he was passed on, you understand what I mean? It wouldn't invalidate.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It wouldn't have been invalidated. Right.
1: I think it's cool because it gives people a bigger window to believe bigger things and huger vision.
0: Right. but that's forever to
1: believe all of it.
0: Right. But we have to begin to change our perspective on it. See, the problem is, and and I keep using this example, but I want to drive this home. The problem is that we keep getting caught staring at the chair instead of really taking hold of the vision that God gives us. Because again, the chair, it's not even faith. It's easy to believe in. It's hard to maintain a vision of something that nobody else can see. That's hard. That's difficult. That takes a special kind of of brain work, of spirit work in us to maintain a vision for something that nobody else can see. Right, and, and that's why you know movements fail. That's why churches fail. That's why Bible studies fail. That's why all kinds of things fail because somebody, anybody, nobody can maintain the vision that no one else can see. Because everybody's saying, do it this way. This is how it's done, see? That's the problem. You're caught staring at a chair every time that happens. Oh, I see it. Let's do that. Right. That's not what we're called to. Is not the chair. Right, We're called to beyond that. More. More. Bigger. Bigger, not what everybody else sees. Something else. Something else. So we got some Bible rodeo here. You guys ready for it? we got some verses for you. You see, it talks about a country that we long for in there. And I'll get to the Bible rodeo, but I just want to get you guys ready. A country that, that we're longing for. But it's careful to say in this verse, it says, but not the country you came from. Right? It's not the country you came from. If you wanted to go to the country you came from, you just turn around and go back. Just go back to it. But no, they kept moving forward. There was something else. There was something they could see that nobody else could see. They already know where they came from. They didn't take any special revelation. You were just there. So you know where you came from. That's not the revelation. It's something out there that nobody else really sees. I mean, you think Abraham walking around Canaan? oh, Everywhere I put my feet, that's going to be uh, my people's uh, land. Did anyone else believe that? No. It's just him walking around with his people. And his family. And so he's walking around. He's claiming the land. Everybody's looking at him like, why are they going around the land like that? Well, they have their reasons. Do you understand their reasons? No, but who cares? That's how it works. That's how it works. Nobody could see it. They saw it. He saw it. He knew it. And so what that does for us, that country that that maybe isn't visited yet. We haven't seen it yet. Maybe we haven't been there yet. Maybe we've seen it, but we haven't been there yet. We haven't realized it fully yet. We're not citizens for sure of that country. Not yet, but it's there. It's 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 out there. You see, that faith can make the blessings of that present in our life right now. Right now even of a country we haven't even been to yet. But the blessings of living there, the blessings of of what that is and what it's going to be, and all of those things we can begin to experience right here and right now. And and so when you hear people talking, and, and there's whole theologies on the kingdom of God, whole theologies, and that whole idea about the kingdom of God is in us, well, that's what that means. The kingdom of God is all around us. That's what it means. Well, other people can't see it, right? They can't. But we can experience the blessings of that here and now through faith. We can experience the blessings of that here and now through living by faith, living by vision. That's how that happens. And that's what the people are talking about when they're talking about that that kingdom understanding, that kingdom living, and that kingdom theology, that, that, that just like everybody says it, everybody teaches on it. And we can get all the words and all the vocab for it, and yet not grab hold of it and not really live it. And that's really the problem. We can love the blessings. Right here and right now. We can rejoice in them right now. We can experience them right now. We can live them right now. Right now. Even though it's still out there somewhere. Just like Abraham rejoiced in Jesus. But he was way out there. Got there eventually. But he rejoiced in his day. We can rejoice in our day. Okay, John twelve forty one. John twelve forty one. Isaiah said this
1: because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him.
0: All right. The, did you know that when when Isaiah was in the temple, and and the Bible tells us that he had this vision, and He saw the Lord in his high, he was high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And he said, and he said to the Lord, he's like, you know, depart from me, I'm a man of unclean lips among the people of unclean lips. And he took the coal and he touched his lips. You know that story? And then he said, you know, who shall I send? Who will go for me? Here, my Lord, send me. Okay, that whole vision that he had, Do you know, that was Jesus. That was Jesus. How do we know that? Because John 12:41 tells us that because Isaiah saw his glory. Well, Jesus Jesus wasn't even around yet. But he was around, right? <laughs> Isaiah Isaiah, that that moment changed his life. And he began to experience him Right then, even though Jesus wouldn't really be around for a lot of years, thousand years, or however long it was going to be between Isaiah and Jesus. And so, he could live that right then. He could love that right then. He could rejoice in that right then. And he did. He did. He took hold of it. See, The end of that verse talks about a city that's been prepared, but not inhabited. He's not physically yet. But we can live there. We can live there. We have a city that's been prepared that we can live there. Okay, a few more verses. Hebrews 13, 14. I'm going to run over just a few minutes. Be patient with me. Hebrews 13, 14. Philippians one twenty three and Philippians three twenty. Hebrews thirteen fourteen, Philippians one twenty three, and Philippians three twenty.
1: For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are
0: Okay, what does that speak of? Vision and faith. All right, that's what we're looking for. Philippians one twenty three.
1: I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far.
0: So that's Paul, and he's just speaking the truth. You see, living by vision, living by faith, it joins us to eternity. To the point that Paul, he was still alive, obviously, he's writing a letter. But he's saying, I'm torn. Why? How could he be torn? Well, because he lived in that that continuum of here and there. And he knew there, too. He'd seen it. He'd rejoiced in it. He'd loved it already. He was living there now, but he was still living here. You see that you see the tearing there? In a sense, there's there's a a perfect joining, but then when you got to describe that to somebody who doesn't understand what you're talking about, it becomes a well, I, you know, I'd rather be there but I'm here kind of thing. What are you talking about? That's what he was describing. That's what he means. That's where We need to head to. Okay, Philippians 3.20.
1: For our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ.
0: Alright, so we've got this idea that that's there, right? But that's also here. Do you understand that the whole Christian life, the whole theology of our lives is set up that way? Where's Jesus right now? And where else is he? He's in your heart, he's in heaven, and he's where else? Everywhere. He's, he's omnipresent. <laughs> All right. Do you understand that's our theology? So let's just keep it simple. He's in your heart and he's in heaven. How? Well, because not only can he, but the reality of it is, is that that's where we need to be too. That's the reality of it, and that's the idea behind what I'm talking about. That's the idea behind living by faith and living by vision, is that, yeah, it's true. We're experiencing that, we're living that, we're loving that, we're rejoicing in that, and we're seeing it right here and right now. Because, you know what? I may not see everything that God has given me vision for come to pass right this second. I may not see everything that God has shown me, and he's shown me some things over my lifetime that are going to come to pass. I may not see that when I'm still walking and breathing, but I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it. So how does this apply? How does this begin to apply to the supernatural? How can you apply this to the supernatural in your life? The the expectation. How's it how's it affect you? What what can you do now? Somebody's sick. Lay hands on them and do what? Pray for what? Why? Well, huh? can you can you see it? Well, not like a chair. But can you see it? Yeah. You see, that, that's the point I'm trying to make. And that's something we need to get a hold of. The chair is the chair. I mean, yeah. alright. That's real. I got that part. That doesn't require my faith. What requires my faith is that I can say into that chair, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea. That's faith. I mean, it didn't just move or anything, but I'm just saying that that, that that's faith. And I didn't really just say that because I. I all right. But let's say, but apply that to a disease, apply that to a a limb that's missing, or something like that. Just begin to apply that to things. So the faith part of it isn't that the person can't walk. That's not the faith part. It's what you can't see. It's what no one can see, but maybe you can see. Like maybe you have vision, and you look, and you see that person, you see them up and walking, and you apply your faith to that. You live in that reality. That's how I've seen people healed. That's, that's the bottom line to how I've seen people healed in my life, is that I see it happen. I live it as it's happened. You know, I've told this story and, and it, it, this happened a number of different times I was in a church in, in Long Island and there was an old guy standing there and it was after the service and people had come up for prayer and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to pray over everybody that came up. And and it took hours. It took like two hours. There were that many people. And by the time I was done, the, the pastors had all left. They locked the doors. They had, push, they had to push bars on the doors so we could get out but they all left and it was just me and June there and a bunch of people that stayed to pray and maybe 20 of us. And, you know, normally it's you get paid for preaching at churches and they take you out for lunch at least or something. They just left.
1: <laughs>
0: they were gone. And so the 20 or so people that were there like, hey, you guys want to come out to the diner with us? We'll at least buy you lunch. I'm like, all right. And so they did. They bought us lunch and we ate and then we went on to another service that night somewhere else on Long Island and then we drove all the way back to Fredonia that night and got in at about three in the morning or something. But during that time at the altar there and there was no one there to witness it really except for all these people that just stayed to pray, there was an old guy standing there, and, and he uh and I just I looked at him and I could see he had cancer in his stomach. And as I as I, I saw in, in what I was seeing, I saw the cancer just leaving him. And for his stomach just being restored, I could just see it. And so I just, took, I just reached back and just punched the old guy right in the gut. And I mean, I punched him. It wasn't just a tap. It wasn't like, way to go, champ. You know, it wasn't like that. I mean, I really just I punched him in the gut. I felt like I was supposed to. But as I did that, I could see it. It was like just plain as day. The cancer just left him. Now, could I prove that right then? Did I have a machine that said, oh, it's gone? I don't know. Did he know that for sure? No. But see, that's what faith is, isn't it? It wasn't like I was looking at it like, oh, well, it's definitely gone now. Yeah, I didn't know. But the faith was and the vision was I saw it leaving and that was it. And so I really just never thought about it again. Right after that moment, I didn't think about it again. He wasn't mad. He was shocked, but he wasn't mad. And he was actually one of the people that took us out to lunch. All right? And it, well, I, I, I just moved on from there. It, didn't, it wasn't anything I thought of again. And then, uh, I don't know how long later, I got a letter from the guy at the district office where I was working. And he wrote me a letter. It was a really nice letter. Kind of a, a long letter. But it detailed... Him going to the doctor and being cleared and being cancer-free. In detail about how it happened and what happened. And said he was willing to supply me with any kind of medical records that I may want. Which I could care less about. (laughs) I don't need, I don't want to see him. Don't care. Don't care. And, And what was interesting about that is at the same time that that letter came to the district office, a letter of complaint, also came to the district office from the pastor of that church where that healing took place. Which was a miracle they came at the same time.
1: <laughs>
0: and and the district leadership had enough sense to read both of those and not even talk to me about it. Not even didn't have anything to say about it. It's like, all right. And those types of things have happened. Those types of things where I I can't explain it any other way. There was another time, and I know I'm holding you guys. Sorry, but there's another time where I I was praying over people again in front of a church, and as I was praying over him, I could see a, a dart sticking out of his back. Like a, it looked like a dart, like a like he had a dart sticking out of his back, and so I reached behind him, and I just yanked it out. Now, to everybody else that was there, no one else saw the dart. Just me. Because that was what I saw. And so, I'm sure if somebody was watching, which I don't know if they were or not, they would have seen me do that, and they probably would have wondered. What do you think they would have wondered? Hmm. What What's that guy doing? doing? I don't know. He
1: just take his
0: Look at that guy. <laughs> and so, I pulled that dart out of his back, and then I slapped his back to, you know, like just do it whatever and and so that that was this was an immediate thing so I kept praying over people and stuff so after the service he came up to me and he said he's like um what did you do he asked me what I did i said well i was praying over you and i saw this dart sticking out of your back and i could only imagine it was like one of the fiery darts of the enemy that the bible talks about you know sticking out of your back so i pulled it out And then I I slapped it for, you know, good measure. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and he's like, well, he's, and he just told me this whole story about how he was, he had been in construction. He was a contractor and how he hurt his back and how it was crippling and he was having all kinds of trouble with his back. And he just told me this whole story about it, and how I'd been injured for a really long time, workman's comp, blah, 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 whatever. But that when I did that, and he couldn't figure out what I did, it was an immediate relief for him, and the pain went. And I said to him, I said, well, I said, this is what I saw, and this is what I believe happened. I said, you let me know. And so, I don't know how long it was, it was a few months later, he let me know, wrote me or did something, that he was back to work and that he was pain-free. So, what do you see? What do you see? And then you apply your faith to that. That's what living by faith is. And that's how you see, as far as I know, that's how you see people heal. I don't know any other way. And maybe there is another way. Maybe somebody has a 12... Or ten, or five step method for healing people, I don't know. And that could be the case. But that's what I do know. Because that's what I've seen. And I guess I could sit here for an hour and a half and tell you stories. But, I don't need to. What I need to do is pray.
1: <laughs> and,
0: uh, and so I'm gonna do that. Did any of this resonate? Yes. Alright, you got to, Change your mind, though. you got to change the way you see things. Uh, One of the last times we were in Africa, we were in Senegal. There was a boy whose leg was shorter than the other leg. And he just limped around all the time. And I don't know that anybody else really noticed much that was going on. Maybe Martha did. But I'm sure hardly anybody else would have. And I had the kid just sit down. And when he sat down, I could just see his leg. Just growing. And becoming the same length as the other leg. And so I, I just prayed. I, I didn't even hardly pray over him. I don't want to say I prayed over him. I just, I just, that's what I saw. And I, and I just laid hands on him. I felt something release out of me. And then I looked down and both his legs were the same length. And how does that happen? That's healing. That's healing. And uh, as far as I know, that's how it works. You see it. Now most of you have been given a gift of vision... Of of prophetic vision. Because that's just the way it goes around here. Uh, Some of you may haven't received that yet, but it's just the way it goes around here. And so I want to encourage you to use it and begin to get a hold of what that can mean for you, your perspective the way that you see things, the way you live your life, and what that can mean for the people that you come into contact with that are around you. And really get a hold of that. All
1: right. All right,
0: let's pray. Father, thanks for uh, something bigger that is beyond us, beyond our control, beyond what we can make up even so much bigger and i thank you for life that you give us that extends beyond a hundred years or 120 years or 80 years or 50 years or 70 years however long we're gonna inhabit this physical body the life that you give us is way beyond that and is seamless with where we are right now it's eternal and so, God, I pray that you would assist us in changing our minds and in changing our perspectives and changing our expectations about uh, the people and the things around us, changing the way we see things and what's important and what's not, the worries about what people think or what they don't think. But, God, to really lay hold of something that, That is beyond us, that is supernatural, that's more powerful than anything we could ever be on our own. I pray we can live in a different place in our hearts and in our minds and our spirits, and you'll teach us how to do that. And I pray for more. I pray for more. That each of us would experience more. Open our eyes. Just open us up to all that you have for us. I pray that we can leave behind what we need to leave behind and take hold of what we really need to take hold of. we asking in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.